Hello and welcome to the Africa Hour. I am Olumide Abimbola and this is a bonus episode. Since Elon Musk took over Twitter and massively laid off staff across countries, there have been legal actions taken against the company by those who feel their disengagement was abrupt. A similar scene is playing out in Ghana. I'm speaking to Kala Olympio, a lawyer in Accra who's directly involved. Hello, Kala. Hello. What is your role in the Twitter Ghana case and how did events play out exactly with the company? Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast and I'm happy to be here. So my name is Carla, Carla Olympio, and I'm actually a corporate lawyer based in Accra, Ghana. And I have a business advisory firm called Agency 77 that we focus on small to medium-sized enterprises, media, entertainment, tech. We offer a range of services. This company I set it up three years ago. At the current moment, our clients are the recently laid off staff of Twitter Ghana Limited. So as you know, and as some of your listeners may know, Twitter kind of entered, well, Africa really with great fanfare under the former CEO and founder, co-founder, I should say, Jack Dorsey, when he kind of, you know, announced that he was coming to Africa. I think he spent some time in Nigeria and then announced that he was opening the first African office in Ghana, you know, it was quite exciting for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. And that was about a year ago. So I think that was, uh, he kind of tweeted this announcement in April, 2021. They went on a recruiting drive and kind of recruited the brightest and best who were working from home for about approximately a year. And then kind of, they got a nice office in Accra, opened up their office sometime in November. By then, Twitter, Twitter Inc., had been taken over by Mr. Elon Musk. And literally, I think it was four days after they had kind of gone back to the office, they received emails saying that they had been laid off. I mean, of course, under Ghana's laws, you know, as an employer, you can give an employee notice. Right. You know, you can give one month's notice. I mean, there's various requirements, but one month's notice is fine in most circumstances. In this case, this is a mass layoff, which amounts to a redundancy exercise under Ghana's Labor Act. There are certain statutory procedural requirements that Twitter should have followed and they did not follow. In fact, you know, they kind of gave this one month generic notice. Mm -hmm. They didn't offer a severance package initially. Mm -hmm. I think that worldwide, there's been a lot of coverage about the issues and challenges with the way Twitter has approached these layoffs and Ghana was highly problematic. So eventually our clients came to us and we took it up. We managed to get a meeting with the Minister of Employment in Ghana and kind of put the matter before him to which he expressed his interest. And so, you know, as a representative of the government of Ghana took official notice of this precisely because it was such a high profile kind of entry, a big tech company into Ghana, you know, when Jack Dorsey tweeted, our president responded to his tweet. I think that they did make sure that there were no unnecessary obstacles in their path in entering the market. So then we issued a demand to Twitter to come to the negotiating table and at least negotiate a fair package for their employees. So we're still in that process right now. I'm leading that on behalf of the ex-Twitter staff. They laid off all but one member of staff. And so I'm representing all the Twitter staff that were laid off from the Ghana office. Right. 
It looks like Twitter is facing many legal battles in other countries. So are you suing Twitter in Ghana? I think, you know, staff in the UK, I think some staff in California. Yeah, I think there's various uh, suits, some class action lawsuits elsewhere in the world. So in Ghana, as of now, no, we are not. It's not a suit in the courts. And that's because, you know, Ghana has fairly strong labor laws quite a clear procedure laid down in a case like this of a redundancy, which is meant to be overseen by, under the Ministry of Employment of Labor and Relations, there's a government department called the Labor Department, which is headed by the Chief Labor Officer. And so Section 65 of our Labor Act states that the redundancy procedure, and this is with every company, it applies to every company in Ghana. It's not just a Twitter or not just a multinational company, is that any company that is under taking a redundancy exercise needs to file a notice with the chief labor officer. Right. So what we did was, which is the appropriate course of action, we filed a notice with the chief labor officer. Basically, we're negotiating with them and their legal representatives here in Ghana at this time. So as it's ongoing, no, we, we have not taken it to court yet because that would not be the first port of call under our laws. So that's what we've done. We've taken that as a first step and they are negotiating with us. So what is your general assessment of how multinational tech companies in Africa are complying with labor laws in general? I mean, that's quite difficult to answer. I mean, let me just say that I I don't have a comprehensive view of how tech companies are operating across Africa. I would say that whilst on occasion companies do try and flout labor laws, all companies can do that, multinational companies on occasion, that I am aware of a number of redundancy exercises that have been taken by multinational companies in Ghana and have followed our labor procedures. Companies like Vodafone, which is a cell phone company, you could say it's a tech company, Hmm. have undertaken, I think, you know, a number of, you know, redundancies. And as far as I'm aware, have followed the procedures. I mean, there's other multinational companies and local companies that have followed the procedures. Now, I think there can be a problem on occasion. I've seen it here and it can happen in other places. I think, unfortunately, sometimes you can get multinational entities, and sometimes that's before they're well-established in our environment. Usually when it's a company that has come here, set up, employed lots of people, employed legal counsel, and are aware of the laws, they tend to be fairly good corporate citizens. But sometimes when they're new entrants or they're kind of feeling it out, sometimes you get the impression that they think they can get away with more than they can. Right. And sometimes, I mean, on occasion, it could be that they're getting the wrong advice right. from local council. And on other occasions, it, it, it is that they're just trying to get away with what they can get away with. In Twitter's case, I mean, I would say that their approach was reckless at best because it's not difficult to find out what you're supposed to do. And it's not particularly hard. You know, the government doesn't interfere with the process. It's just in order to provide a fair platform. So what the government says, what Section 5 of the Labor Act 2003 says is that you file a notice, you give them three months notice of your intention to undertake this redundancy exercise, you negotiate with employees, whether it's a labor union, et cetera. And then at the end of that, you come to an agreement, there's a formal signing overseen by the chief labor officer, and then you go on your way. They don't actually tell a company what to do. Okay. I'm aware of some of the suits. I think there's the Uber suit in Kenya. I believe the Kenya court actually said that the high court would have jurisdiction over that case. Hmm. I think there was a similar suit in, in South Africa, I think, 
where the South African court decided differently, that actually they did not have jurisdiction over that matter. And I know that with platforms like Uber, I mean, it's not just in Africa, that there's been kind of them trying to bridge this gap between whether or not they're independent contractors or they are employees so that they can get some of the perks. I know that there has been some mobilization in Ghana. I'm not sure that it's gone really anywhere yet. And I think that another issue with tech companies is the increasing remote work, potentially tech companies attempting to hire in Africa while being based elsewhere. And from what I see, I think that in Ghana anyway, and potentially in other African countries, maybe not just African countries, the laws have not yet caught up with those situations. I think that there's been an explosion since COVID, and I'm not sure that the laws have really addressed those situations yet. So it's established that there are laws to be followed in Ghana. But you told me before we hit record that the biggest problem is enforcement. Could you explain better? Yeah, so specifically when it comes to this particular redundancy provision under the terms of the Labor Act, while it says you must give the chief labor officer three months notice, blah, 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 blah. And so, for example, in this case, Twitter later on said that they had emailed, which I mean, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's fairly outrageous. I mean, who who emails a, a filing to a government regulator? Emailed, I think it was a couple of days after they had sent the initial email to their staff, in which they said that they intended to take this redundancy exercise and were giving one month's notice to staff. Now, you are meant to give three months notice to the chief labor officer engaged in the negotiation with your staff before you actually implement it. Right. That's what the law says. The problem is that that provision of the law does not come along with, let's say, a penalty. It doesn't say, so therefore, the chief labor officer has the power to compel them to do it or can issue a fine. Because of that, it's like in many situations, if there's no powers of enforcement that goes along with a rule, while the rule is there, it doesn't have teeth. Mm-hmm. And so a company that's really determined to kind of get around it can just kind of flout the law And then you would have a situation in which potentially you would now have to take it to court for a court to kind of enforce it because, you know, courts have their own powers of enforcement. Mm -hmm. So that provision does not come along with teeth. It doesn't mean that there's no way to enforce it. Like I said, you could potentially bring a suit, you know, in court, which is a longer process. But it would be good if our government, it's not it's not the first time that it's come up, if our government could, you know, or our legislators could look at it and ensure that there's some penalty that goes along with it. So it gives it teeth. So yes, that is what I meant by the lack of teeth or powers of enforcement that comes along with that particular provision. There may be some other provisions that do come along with enforcement. This one doesn't. Right. So what would enforcement actually look like to you? Whose responsibility would that be in the Ghanaian government? So in Ghana, we have the Labor Department, we have the Labor Commission. You can file a complaint with the Labor Commission of Ghana and they will take In certain situations, they will take it up on your behalf. They will invite people to kind of a sort of arbitration process overseen by them, right? Right. You can do that. Our president has not necessarily said anything about this. But like I said, I mean, we did get an audience with the Minister of Employment and he did indicate to us that he is very interested. He is following this matter and he gave us express permission to say so in the media that he has officially taken notice of this matter. Now, again, A minister of employment wouldn't necessarily get directly involved in a situation where there's a private company because there are procedures to be followed. 
and by that same token, neither would the Minister of Employment necessarily give you an audience. So the reason why he did give an audience is because they are very much aware that the government helped to facilitate Twitter's entry into Ghana. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, to give them credit, the government, they have taken an interest and he had over there, he had the chief director of his ministry, the head of communications. They were all present when I, I met with them and some of the staff. So they have taken an interest and shown that they are concerned. But I believe that it's not necessarily appropriate for them to get directly involved at this stage, right? And as Twitter has agreed to come to the negotiating table right now, at the time that we met, the employees were not even able to get in touch with Twitter. Emails were bouncing back. Twitter had provided some generic emails. They were not getting any responses. There was nothing. I mean, there were a couple of media stories. We met with the minister. We sent them a letter. And then finally they responded. But up until that point, they had not responded. So I think that We have to give credit to all those things together. I think the media, the interest taken by the international media, the audience with the minister, and then them also hiring us at Agency 77 to intervene on their behalf. I'm not sure what would have happened without that. Hmm. How should our legislatures be adapting labor policies to the growing tech ecosystem in Africa? So I think that Our governments and our legislators have to ensure that our labor laws now cover those situations where there's remote workers, where they can allow them to be potentially not just independent contractors, but employees who are covered by some of the other protections that you get employee things like, you know, medical insurance or, you know, severance packages. They need to explicitly take those into account. Issues like data privacy, very, very important. We need to catch up and protect our employees. Very often there's a real imbalance in bargaining power. So the only way is to amend these provisions, add some penalties, add some teeth, and then our employees will be protected, similar to other labor laws that we already have. Hmm. Is there anything else you want to add about foreign tech companies and the way they operate in Africa? Africa is already on the map. Africans are vibrant, talented professionals. You know, my clients are world-class talent working in other multinational companies. They had to go through extremely rigorous selection processes. And one of them tells me that she had to do a presentation at the end to kind of 14 member panel. I think that when tech companies are coming to Africa, they should approach Africa and Africans with respect. These are professionals on the same level as every other. Give them the same benefits give them the same protection, show them the same respect. If you're going to end your relationship with them, that's fine. That's business. Show them respect. Do not make them think or feel like you view them as second-class citizens. I mean, it's completely unacceptable and it's not going to work. Kala Olympio, thank you so much for joining me. Great talking to you. Bye-bye.